Welcome to the Joyous Journeys in Life and Business podcast, episode number 26. Welcome to the Joyous Journeys in Life and Business podcast. I'm your host, Sharon Joy, and on this show, we talk about inspirational journeys in life and entrepreneurship. Through soulful conversations with inspiring guests, you're sure to get clear, get organized, get enlightened, and get moving on your dream business with the perfect blend of strategy and alchemy. Welcome back. I'm Sharon Joy and you're listening to the Joyous Journeys in Life and Business podcast. Today, we're going to talk about some of my biggest business mistakes, the biggest mistakes that I've made uh, since I started my business right back at the beginning of 2018 and my journey along the way. So I've got six things that I've really pinpointed as being probably my biggest faux pas, uh, you're going to um, hopefully get a little bit of insight into what not to do. Uh, And, you know, it's important to keep in mind that everybody's different. Some things will work for some people and not others. But these are the things that I have really sat on and thought long and hard about um, in the hope that you can leverage my experience. And, you know, I'll just say for those people who understand human design, this is my job. Uh, my human design has the, um, the gate of abstraction and the gate of abstraction is, it is my role as, um, as a human. And part of my purpose here, um, on earth is to work through the, the confusion to um, to a point of discovery. It's my role on my human design chart to experience things so that I can come back and report to people and say, I probably don't do that. <laughs> so, um, you know, I see this as an important one and it's probably one of the reasons why I decided to record this episode um, because I thought, well, if it's my job to do that, then I should do that. So uh, so I hope you get some value out of this and sometimes um, sharing some of these stories feels quite vulnerable, to be honest. Um, it feels as though it's a little bit of, you know, bearing the stuff that I'd rather not talk about, but I think it's really important to talk about and normalize the mistakes that we make in business. It's nor it's it's productive and helpful and supportive for us to normalize and give a human face to our, you know, I, I don't like the word failures because I don't think anything is ever a failure. Um, but you know, those times that we didn't get the success that we desired, I think it's really important to talk about those things as well because they're very, very normal. And, you know, when we work around our way around the internet, what we often only see is people celebrating their wins rather than actually acknowledging and sharing the things that didn't go well. So uh, I hope that you find some interesting things in this. Let's dive into the list, um, which isn't too long. So the first one, is launching more than one business or service at a time. Now, unfortunately, um, I wasn't a very quick learner with this one. I had to experience this twice to actually figure it out and go, right, that thing that so many people have told me to just focus on one thing. Um, 
it it did take me that long. And, you know, this is where as a person who's very creative and a person who has lots of interests and lots of talents in different areas, um, I wanted to spread myself too thin. And so when I launched my first business in 2018, um, I launched two parts to it that were not even similar. So the first part was... um, inflatable stand-up paddle boards. So Red Paddle Co. was the products that I sold. Um, and that was a brand that I'd had um, a relationship with as a traveling family. Uh, we had a Red Paddle Co. board. I knew what a great product it was. Um, I knew that I wanted to share that product with other people who wanted to travel Australia and um, and who were caravanning full-time like we were at that point in time. And so I wanted to retail those products. And so I started a business doing that, going around to caravan and camping shows and boat shows and marketing that product um, as well as selling online as well. So I did in-person sales. I took orders online um, and I would do like a drop ship situation with those via the company rather than hold a whole lot of inventory. Um, But that was um, the the first part of that business that I started. And the other arm to that business was a network marketing business with Young Living Essential Oils and um, toxin-free products um, for the home to make a healthier home and caravan life. I care for the environment. I care for our skin. Um, I still love that company. I use their products every single day. Um, I, you know, reached to a silver leader in that company, which I hit in middle of 2020. And, um, and that's been something that I've continued on. The truth is, if I'd have just chosen one of those things, I probably could have just, you know, grown quicker um, as a business person rather than spreading myself so thin and trying to do multiple things. I honestly think that the reason that I didn't go all in, and I'm just going to declare this, and it's the first time I'm ever saying this out loud, but the reason that I didn't just choose one is I was really scared that I would not do well at it. And so I thought, well, I'll just do more than one thing and then I'll see how they go. And I have to be honest, there are parts of let's see how this goes that has worked really well for me in business. And I'll talk a bit more about that in a minute. There's been, there has been part of that that's worked really well, but here's the thing. If you are doing a range of things with a view to just see how it goes and see what does well and what doesn't out of fear because deep down you are you know you're afraid that you won't have the success that you desire then you're putting a block in the way of that and you need to shift that mindset there is a place in this world in the business world to have a bit of suck it and see i totally believe that suck it and see is 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 worthwhile. And when I get to number six, I'll talk about that a little bit more when I talk about niching. But, you know, if it's out of fear, then it's for the wrong reasons that you're, you know, you're starting two businesses at once. But if it's because you genuinely are not sure and you're just putting the feelers out, then I think that that does have a place. 
the thing is I knew that I loved both of those products um, but the truth is I really didn't stick with one or the other and really build and grow hard because I wasn't backing myself enough. The second time I made that mistake was in 2020 and and even, you know, up until last year when I was doing um, this time last year, in fact, so May 2021, 2021, I, um, I split my business that I'd started during COVID, which included coaching. Um, at the time, I called myself a transformational mentor and I'll come to that. That's an, another mistake that I made. Uh, but effectively I was coaching um, and I effectively I was business coaching. So, you know, when I was doing that and doing the websites in 2020 and then I was seeing what stuck, then in 2021 I thought, no, I need to split these two parts of my business in half. I really wanted to, you know, continue with the websites and I wanted to continue with coaching, but I wanted them to have separate identities. So my message was clearer. And so I split that business into into two. But then again, I realized that the effort that it takes to build two separate businesses at the same time just had me bleeding energy, like really bleeding energy. And since I've been more potent just with one arm of the business and letting the websites drop away and passing the baton to other virtual assistants um, through training them in how to add Wix to the mix through my program, adding Wix to the mix for VAs, um, you know, since I've been doing that, and just really focusing in on the coaching, the growth that I've had in my business is very significant within that coaching arm. So um, even though my income hasn't changed, um, in fact, it dropped off for a little while, it, it dropped down. Um, now I've replaced the income that I was making with websites and coaching. Now I'm earning the same as what I was earning with websites and coaching just with coaching. So, um, you know, and I, I think back and I think, gee, if this time last year I'd have just really backed myself as a coach and gone all in just with the business coaching and gotten really, really clear, um, even more clear on, you know, all of the things and just doing that one thing, then I'd probably be, you know, having more than double of, of where I'm at now. Um, so as I say, that was a lesson that it has taken me two times to <laughs> to figure out. It's not a mistake I plan to make again. And it's certainly something that I would say to people, just really be cautious about trying to build more than one thing at one time because energy leaks out in all different directions I think by having more focus on one particular thing, then you actually get to know it more intimately and you get better at it quicker. So the sooner that you can do that and get that up and running and off the ground, then you'll have the energy, the capacity, um, you'll have the funding to be able to then introduce your secondary business into whatever it is or your, your next stream of income. So um, my definite suggestion, I consider it for me, it was, a, it was a mistake. And I know that for the manifesting generators in the room, I know you're all saying, but no, that's not me. I need to do all the things. Um, you do. But if you are 
finding yourself in states of overwhelm and completely frazzled, then I would say look at other parts of your chart if you are following your human design um, and and see that actually just because you're a manifesting generator doesn't necessarily mean that you need to do everything today. It might be a case of slow down to speed up, right? Um, and, and that might mean just a bit more focus on the one thing for a little while. It's not forever. Um, and, and also too, keeping in mind that, you know, the rest of your audience isn't necessarily of the same design that you are. So being able to know and understand that will have you working at a pace that people can follow along and keep up with you. Um, my second mistake was bleeding money on programs with very little substance and very little ROI. Um, this is one that I'm not going to lie at times still really hurts me uh, because I think about, um, you know, I think especially what really hurts me is when I think about money that I spent on programs with zero substance, zero substance uh, that, you know, I was manipulated into, um, and, you know, I had a conversation today with, with a client around, you know, the very fine, fine, fine and fragile line that we sometimes walk between magnetic marketing and manipulation. And I can safely say that, you know, there have been things that I've ended up in that it was, you know, a sense of manipulation because when I ended up in there, um, that, you know, the devil is in the detail, but let me tell you when there's no detail run, because it means that you can be walking into something that is just going to be, um, I'm just going to say just hot air. And that's, that's what I had, you know, bled money to. Um, and when I think about the fact that that's, you know, been taken away from my children, my family. Um, when I think about, you know, the overseas holiday that my family probably could have paid for with that money, um, that really does hurt me. And I've had to dig deep on this over a long amount of time, but I've come to the realization that it's actually, you know, again, this is part of my job here um, on earth. Part of my purpose as a business coach and a mindset coach is that I had to experience that to help protect others from that. Um, you know, I had to experience it so that I knew what I didn't want for my clients. I knew how I didn't want to market to people how I didn't want to run my programs. And, you know, and in doing that, the interesting thing also is, is that through that experience actually helped me to find my people and my niche, um, which if I hadn't have gone down that path and spent a rather exorbitant amount of money, um, you know, it, when I wasn't earning it at that point, um, if I hadn't have gone down that path, then I certainly wouldn't have found the calling that I have. So, you know, I guess that's a bit of a message for anybody who's really feeling that same level of pain that I had about spending money on something that I was like, I'm in the wrong room. This is crap. There's nothing here for me. And this is not what, you know, I came for. There's, this is something completely different to what I 
I thought I was getting into, just know that there is a reason and it will present itself to you at some point. So I've had to really reshape my thinking around that. And, you know, I've, I've leveraged it in ways that has essentially given me a return on investment, but it just came through a completely different means. Um, it came through a means of me being able to, you know, speak to my clients clearer, detail what are in, what's in my programs clearer so that, um, so that, you know, that didn't happen to the people who I was here to serve. So, um, definitely one of the big mistakes is, you know, going into programs with zero substance, being attracted to the magnetics of it um, versus, you know, and I, I think that we, you know, I still love being magnetized by the people I buy from, right? Like I love that. I get excited about the purchase, but I think it's important that we balance that with, is there a return on investment here? Is there value? Because, you know, and look, value is only ever um, in the eyes of the beholder, right? Like our value is going to be different. You know, what what is good value to one person is going to be different to another. But you have to decide if there's value for you at that price point. And, you know, I would say like in terms of investment, there is, you know, going into debt unless you absolutely need to is something that you should absolutely avoid because there's so many ways to make money, right? Have a garage sale, <laughs> you know, sell stuff, make stuff, you know, get a get a, a job, um, you know, in hospitality on the weekend. Like there's so many things that you can do to make some quick cash on the side if you are looking to start a business that if it means, you know, working with a, a business coach or, you know, a coach that's teaching energetics that is, you know, charging you an amount that you can't afford at this point in your business, then really get clever at working out how you can pay for that and, um, and make sure you do something to cover those costs. The third mistake I made was getting stuck on a constant treadmill of launching and just feeling really, really exhausted by that. So the outward energy of launching is on a whole other level. Um, it, it does something to your nervous system that um, people who have launched will know exactly that feeling that I'm talking about, but it kind of fries it, you know, like there, there's part of it that's really uplifting and exciting and, you know, waiting, you know, to see who comes into that program and celebrating the heck out of that and serving everybody, you know, maybe it's through the DMs, maybe it's through discovery calls or whatever it may be. And it's, it's really exciting, but at the same time, there is an element of stress. There is an element of, oh, have I, you know, I've put this out there in the world and who I'm not hearing anything and I haven't had any enrollments today. And, you know, just being able to maintain the intensity of that situation over, you know, a period of a week, two weeks for some people who launch longer up to a month is a lot. And, you know, our nervous systems definitely take a beating when we are launching. And, you know, um, one of the methods that I'd been shown was to kind of, you know, just, a, just launch a thing, just drop a thing. 
And, you know, so that's what I tried for a little while and very quickly worked out, uh-uh, like this is not it, you know. I'm I'm fried and I'm frazzled and I'm constantly creating new things and creating new things and creating new things. And while I was doing all of that creating, my, you know, my reputation and my audience wasn't getting me known for being or doing one or two or a few things. Um, instead, it was kind of like, what? What's she doing now? Oh, I don't know. Oh, am I in the right room? Um, you know, and just for me, it meant that there wasn't that ability to actually revisit, improve or, you know, like revisit and refine so that I could um, make that whole process easier for myself, number one. Um, so I could make the process easier for clients, you know, when it came to onboarding and offboarding. So I could make it easy, um, you know, the quality, the depth and breadth of the program that I was teaching or running, facilitating, wasn't necessarily getting better when I was dropping this thing, dropping that thing. So um, certainly what I do recommend is, you know, just avoid getting stuck on that constant treadmill of launching. Find, you know, a few things that you do. Find yourself a really nice rhythm of launching that gives your nervous system the opportunity to unplug, that gives your audience a chance to unplug because far out, if you are constantly selling to them, then you are not serving to them. You know, we have seasons in our business, seasons of service, seasons of selling. And when you're selling, 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 you know, we know that 80% of our clients, uh, sorry, 80% of our business is returned clients, right? So every time, you know, you've got those same people coming back and back and back, at some point, they're going to feel really ick if, you know, they're constantly handing over money to you because now you're doing this thing and then you're doing this thing and then you're doing this thing and they think, oh, I've got to jump on that train as well. So, you know, just be aware that you there is such thing as launch fatigue for you and also for your followers on social media and for your paying clients. So just um, keep that one in mind. It's definitely a mistake that I made and it's one that I've corrected now to make make sure that I have a really comfortable um, break between launches that I get a, sen a sense of being able to regroup. I get to slide back into that season of service and that's where I do my best work, right? Like that's where I get to serve the people I've sold to, but I also get to serve the people who are in my world through podcasts, through my social media content, through my blog, through speaking on other people's podcasts and, you know, um, through, you know, creating opt-ins and freebies that are of service. So, um, you know, allow your audience to have some time away from seeing you selling um, and show up for them in service because, heck, they need that. The fourth one is um, the churn and burn content cycle, the 24 to 48 hour churn and burn hamster wheel of content creation. That has been a cycle um, that I was on a long time ago, very quickly figured out this is not right for me um, because, you know, I was just forever churning out content. But 
you know, this is the thing that the social media content creation is literally a 48 hour cycle. It's, it's dead after 48 hours, not so much reels these days. They do linger a little longer. Although I have noticed in the past 12 months that time is getting less as there's more noise and more people creating reels that, you know, they don't linger as long as they used to. So, you know, making like turning that uh, content creation on its head. So really starting with long form content is what I recommend, you know, starting with a podcast, starting with a blog, starting with video content, not a reel, but actually starting with, you know, some sort of video log, Um, you know, maybe it's YouTube, maybe it's even Instagram video, but in some ways making that your core piece of long form content repurposing it and housing it in a platform that gets you organic reach through SEO. Um, you know, if it's a podcast, if it's a blog, even if it's a YouTube video, um, and, and these days, you know, more so Instagram and Facebook. Yes. I do know that when those videos are named properly, they've got a better chance of getting found through SEO or through those platforms, particularly with Instagram. Um, but you know, really starting with those long form pieces of content and then breaking it down into bite-sized chunks. So how can you take pieces of that and make it into a carousel? How can you make it into a reel? So if it's a teachable piece or a relatable piece of content, breaking that down, you know, using things like client testimonials um, that might support you know, that long form piece of content and the product that you might recommend as the next step after it, you know, using client testimonials, um, you know, that might have people take a second look at that um, program or offer that you've got off the back of that. So really, that is definitely um, my fourth biggest mistake in business is, is getting stuck on that 24 to 48 hour churn and burn content cycle. If you are just posting on social media and you don't yet have some sort of a freebie and you don't need a website for this, okay? If you don't know how to do this, please come on into Solid. I'll teach you all of it. You don't need a website to start building an email list and to create a free piece of content that you can build an email list with. If you're creating amazing content on social media, one, and you're not telling people that you're open for business and selling, And two, you're not actually moving people off social media and onto your own list that you own, not a a list that's owned by Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, Snapchat, or any of the other platforms, then you're wasting your energy on creating content Um, because, you know, basically you can lose that content in the blink of an eye. So what you really want to do is move people over to your own platforms where you can you can nurture those relationships there. You can show up and serve them directly, directly. Um, and if you haven't listened to it, please go and listen to my podcast episode, um, Is the Email Juice Worth the Squeeze? Because in there, I go into that in a lot more detail. But it does help you get off that 24 to 48 hour cycle. If you're hearing crickets, if there's something going on in the world that's profound, that has people kind of tuning out of social media at the time or talking about something else that's not your business and and so they're 
you know, your content's not getting in front of them and all of a sudden you're hearing nothing, then this is where having an email list, this is where, you know, having a blog, having a podcast can actually cut through that other noise and deliver the juice that you have to offer directly to the people that you're here to serve. So um, definitely hop off that uh, 24 to 48 hour content churn and burn. It is burning you out and you will find content creation so much easier if you flip the focus and start focusing on your long form content first and then letting it triple, trickle down to your short form content, which is obviously your social media stuff. All right, my fifth biggest mistake, and oh, this is one I'd love to reach out to so many people and say, hey, what are you calling yourself right now? Because nobody's finding that. Calling myself a transformational mentor instead of just calling myself a coach. So this is one where I really got in my own way with this. Um, this was a mindset thing that I had to overcome. And it's because I made it about me, I my, you know, it's all about me and I don't like the word coach. And so therefore I won't call myself that. I'll call myself something that nobody who is my ideal client is actually going to search online. And, and as a result, you know, that really slowed down my business. So here's the thing. You are best to call yourself the name of whatever it is that you do that is the most likely thing that people are going to search on Instagram, on Google, on YouTube of what you do. Because if you are calling yourself something different, then nobody is going to find you organically in that way. So, you know, the other thing is, is if they're looking for somebody specific, if they're looking for a business coach, let's say, and I'm calling myself a transformational mentor and they're like, well, I think she does what I want, but I'm not really sure. Do you think that somebody's going to choose me over somebody who calls themselves a business coach or are they just going to choose the person who calls themselves a business coach because they're willing to actually declare it? And the truth is, for the most part, people will go with the safest option. People will go with the certainty. They'll go for clarity. They will go for the thing that lands. And so I realize now that by calling myself this fluffy term, um, you know, I probably missed out on a lot of business because I couldn't be searched. I couldn't be found online for that. And most of the time, people didn't even know what it meant. They were like, well, what is that? Now, there's a small percentage of the population, um, you know, the magnetic, magnetic, coachy, coachy types who will be totally magnetized and intrigued and interest peaked around calling myself a transformational mentor. However, that's not my ideal client. <laughs> that's not the people I desire to work with. I desire to work with people who want to create an amazing business. They want to be a coach, a healer, or a soulful consultant of some type, usually in the parenting, birthing, matrescent space. And, you know, they want to do those things, but they want to be certain because those people have been in some of those more woo spiritual energetic spaces they actually want 
me to call myself a business coach or a business and mindset coach because then they're certain that uh, actually that's the help that I need. They don't need more of the spiritual and energetic stuff because I've already got enough of that. Um, They've got enough of that in their world and they've got other people that they go to for that. So, you know, I want to say if you are having fraudy feelings about calling yourself something, please get out of your own way for the sake of your clients. If you can't do it for yourself, do it for your clients because they're looking for you online right now and they can't find you. They're looking for you on Instagram right now. They're following hashtags of whatever it is that you really do and you're not out there boldly declaring it. So if you're not, please start. You know, if you have issues with the word coach, Put it to the side. It's if it's what your people are looking for. Just you know, focus. Be outward focused. Be client centric. Focus on what your clients want, and I guarantee you that the fear will disappear if you are client centric. If it's got something to do with you know worrying about feeling fraudy or oh I don't like the word coach like I was. Um, I just got out of it. Because all it is, is was just in my perception of the word coach. And it was actually because of a seed that somebody else had planted. It wasn't even my seed. <laughs> it wasn't even my plant. Um, but somebody had planted that seed and I thought, oh, oh yeah, yeah, that's an issue. Um, but I actually took on someone's, someone else's perspective. And, um, and as a result, I, I, I let myself fall short. So don't do that rip the bandaid off, be client centric and client focused. And if they're looking for what you really do, then boldly declare it. And I guarantee that once you do, people will all actually breathe a sigh of relief and say, oh, thank God. Thank God she's calling herself what she needs to, because that's actually what she does. Okay. The, the sixth lesson, my sixth biggest mistake in business uh, was a fear of niching. I'm just going to call it, it was a fear of niching. Now, here's the thing. I've got my biggest, my most popular podcast episode is my notes to niching podcast. Um, And in there, you'll hear me talk about, does everyone need to niche? No, you don't. You don't actually have to. There's no rules. Everybody's different. Everyone's unique. But at some point, you will feel a calling. You might, you are likely. I'm not going to say you will. There's some people who won't, don't, never, will, and that's fine, totally fine. But those of you who all of a sudden start to think, I really love working with this person and this person and this person, and I don't so much enjoy working with this person and this person and this person. That's the universe saying, hey, you need to call more of those people in and not those people. So once I really started to call in more of the people and put in my order to the universe that these are the people I love working with, not only did I love working with them, but they were the people who I had the greatest transformation. So it was totally lighting me up and it was totally getting them the results that they were coming for. The sooner that I put in my order to the universe that, hey, I want to work with more of these people, the sooner my business grew exponentially. But not only did my business grow, my joy and my abundance both increased exponentially. And and that's the thing is when we we sit with who we want to work with, then it does bring us a greater sense of joy, but it also does bring us a greater sense of abundance as well. 
So, you know, I think the thing is, is I realize now that I didn't again, declare who I was for because I was really frightened that if I wasn't for everybody, then I wouldn't have anybody. And it was a scarcity mentality. So if that's you and you know that you've got clients right now that you really love working with and others that you don't enjoy working with quite so much, then it's time to shake the tree and see what falls out. Because when you shake the tree, you will see that, you know, the ripe fruit is is where it's at. The ripe fruit's where the juice is. So go and find it and call more of that in. You know, when we start to niche, niching is, in my experience, it's a journey that is ongoing. So as my journey continues, I get clearer and it's sort of like going down a rabbit hole. I go deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper, down and down and down so that the the type of client that I'm working with actually I'm bringing more people in at the same at the same place in their business. This is into the membership. Um, and then I still have the one-to-ones where I work with people who have, of a more varying degree of experience and, um, and business, you know, so this is one of the things that you can often find is within your business, you might have, well, this offer is for these people and this offer is for these people. And so when you perhaps are having someone in your DMs or on a discovery call, then you can actually advise and say, well, this particular program that I've got here, this is the right one for you. This program is not right for you, but this is. So you can be really clear in knowing where people fit in the scheme of your business. So that can be something that can help. But definitely, um, I did have a fear a fear of niching. Um, I'd listened to people on the internet who would who would put fear into me, like the fear of God. Like, oh, who wants a niche? Who wants to be put in a box? Well, let me tell you that there is incredible freedom in being able to have the clarity uh, to be able to say, this is who I'm for and this is what I do and this is the results that I can help you get. Um, Being able to say that was actually never feeling like being in a box once I finally did it. Um, So if you have never niched before and you are listening to people that say that on the internet, let me say that until you try it and until you suck it and see for yourself, then that may or may not be right for you. And, you know, you might feel, you might be leaning in and listening to them and going, yeah, I know niching's definitely not right for me because I thought that too. I actually thought that too about myself. But very quickly, I realized that I was operating outside of my genius too much. And when we operate outside of our genius, we're expending more energy than what we actually need to because we're having to work harder instead of work smarter. And when we work in our genius, this stuff just falls out of us. You know, we don't have to think hard when we're on a coaching call or in a healing session because when you're in your zone of genius, you know, if you are, you know, a parenting expert and you work with professional parents, right? then in your working in that genius zone with those parents, you know their unique needs more than somebody who is, you know, perhaps um, a parent who is a single parent with a child with diverse needs, right? So if 
if your area of expertise is working with professional parents versus single mums who have children with neurodiversity, then if you're working with everybody, how well are you able to show up for that mum who's the single mum with children with diverse needs? Because I actually put out there that you could potentially be doing that person a disservice. Um, you know, when you know your specialty, stay in your own lane. It's as simple as that. Stay in your own lane. Remove any scarcity that you have around, oh, if I don't say yes to everybody, then, you know, I'm going to lose clients. It's just not true. The opposite usually happens. The clearer that you get on who you're going to work with, the more powerfully you are able to communicate and identify their needs, um, help them solve their problems, provide, you know, answers that appeal to their their desires as well as their frustrations and then you know and then show up and serve them because you are the right person to serve them it's within your zone of genius and therefore um you know you can do that powerfully you know the thing is is there are people and and you know I'm the same I've got such a varied background with teaching and you know performing arts and uh you know charitable organizations and networking organizations and um, fundraising and travel blogging and influencing. Like I've got a whole host of skills that I can bring to the table, but I don't coach on all of them. The other areas are still part of my life. You know, I've got other arms to my business, like my caravan hire. I still have a Facebook group with over 4,000 people in it of travelers, 4,000 traveling families in it, but it's not at the forefront of my coaching business. Okay. Um, So, you know, I say to you, it doesn't mean that you have to not be all of who you are, but maybe it... In fact, it doesn't mean that at all. Like be all of you, but just choose what you share where and make it purposeful and meaningful because the more that you scatter around, um, you know, the more that you are potentially diluting your message, it will appeal to a small group of the population. Um, But for the other people, there's a very likely chance that they'll become confused and unsure whether they're in the right place. So You know, um, the other thing I want to say is if you have recently become certified in, you know, your modality, whatever it may be, whether it's, you know, matrescence or, you know, parenting, doula services, coaching, healing, whatever it may be, if you are newly certified and you're just starting out with clients, then niching is something that I would say, yes, have some idea of where you're, you know, where the people you'd like to work with are and go and pursue that, but stay open-minded about who might come into your world. Because I can tell you now, there is no way whatsoever that I would have been working with the people that I'm working with now, had I have niched from the very beginning. My audience, I thought, was going to be people who wanted to travel Australia and I was going to help them set up an online business so that they could do that. So that is definitely something that I would say avoid, um, avoid niching too early, stay open-minded, definitely have some idea about who you want to be for, but 
allow yourself to throw some spaghetti at the wall and see what sticks. So for a while, that might mean working with clients who, um, you know, when you are in their space might start to feel a little bit out of alignment and you start to think, yeah, I'm not getting the, I'm not getting the result here for this person that I really want to help them get. Um, you know, that's very, very possible. And, The thing is, is you'll know that for future. So, you know, use that learning and the lessons that come through from the people that you work with. It's the universe showing you what's right for you. So look for the patterns because I guarantee that they're there. I guarantee that, you know, even somebody who tells you that they don't have a niche, I call bullshit. I really do. If they've grown a following and they've grown a business and they tell you that they don't have a niche, I call BS. I guarantee you that there are similarities between their regular clients. I will guarantee it. There is nearly always some similarities. So, um, you know, if you're early, you're new in your business, throw the spaghetti at the wall, see what sticks and then do what I did is sort of like going down that rabbit hole, drilling deeper and deeper and deeper down, down and down. And, and, you know, your message will become more grounded, more potent, more earthy. And I want to say sticky, you know, like, like clay, like the earth. So, um, you know, so tangible and rock solid that it just, um, it just gets better. So keep working on that journey and, you know, don't be afraid of it. If you haven't tried, at least niching a little bit, then I would say, you know, don't listen to the naysayers about it because everybody's different. And there is a lot of comfort that can be found, not by everybody, but there is a lot of comfort that can be found in a box. Um, In fact, you know, having that freedom, you know, those boundaries, those parameters can be a sense of safety that often soul-led business women are looking for so that they're not feeling like they're swirling, that they've got those parameters there. And I mean, even when you look at the people that I work with, it's still, there's still a very, very wide range. You know, I work with people who are coaching. I work with people who are healers. I work with people who are social workers, who, you know, who are counsellors. I work with people who are postpartum doulas. I work with baby consultants. I work with conscious parenting mentors and a really, really diverse range, yoga teachers. But still, there is a lot in common with those women that I work with. And they're able to, you know, not only, um, I'm not only able to help them, but when they're inside my solid community, that they're actually able to support one another as well. So I hope that that has um, given you some insight into the way that I think think and um and some of you know learning if you like through my mistakes that I've made that's definitely the big six um I have found that over time they were things that people told me that I did ignore and had to go and learn for myself and you will be like that too there'll be there'll probably be at least one in those six that you've either already made and had to go and learn or you will still go and make that same mistake Um, but you know just have faith that even you know, even our mistakes can be perfect. Like the mistake I made of bleeding money on programs where there was really no substance. Um, you know, some of those places I've ended up, um, I've ended up with clients 
from those experiences and it showed me, you know, more about the the business coach that I wanted to be and, you know, what I wanted for my clients. So just know that there is a lot of wisdom in the learning, dig into it, look where the lessons are and, um, and also avoid making the same ones twice like I did as well. I hope that's helpful. I'd love to hear what your biggest mistakes were and if there were any there that, um, that you've made. Jump into my DMs or connect with me um, by booking a discovery call and uh, I'd love you to share that with me. Thanks for listening. Have a fantastic week. I'll see you next week. Bye for now. Thanks for listening to the Joyous Journeys in Life and Business podcast. I'm your host, Sharon Joy. Jump on over to find me on the web at SharonJoyCoaching.com. 